0: Praise the Lord, amen Amen, indeed. Um, It's always good to be expectant and um, I really love uh, Family of Care, Siroboa, you know. Uh, First of all, the worship team really leads us very well and I I just want to really honor them and thank them at this time, yeah. Um, It's an amazing thing, there's a lot of work they do in the background that we don't realize um, so by the time they're here, um, and as we flow in the blessings, that, you know, as we enjoy the blessings, um, we realize, you know, God's been working with them, and has been talking to them, and has been ministering to them. And So we're really just enjoying that atmosphere. Um, so thank you so much, um, worship team. May the Lord richly bless you. Amen? Okay. So... Um, We have been looking at the topic of prayer, um, specifically on how we can pray effectively. And, you know, prayer is one of those things that you you are continually growing into. I don't think there's anybody who can really say, I have it 100% or I've connected with it 100%. We really grow in our knowledge of how to be effective in prayer. And so, Let's just pray into that. Let's just pray into that. Um, Father, our desire is to connect with you, to, to commune with you, to communicate with you constantly. We thank you for the privilege of prayer. Abba, Father, teach us to pray. Amen. Amen. Now, obviously, we can't cover everything that there is to know about effective prayer I, in, in just a few sermons. This is the third sermon, and, and you know, if you've been there for the last two sermons, um, I believe you've been blessed. Um, but but it's difficult to cover everything. And and if you really, if this is your passion, if you really want to grow in this area, and I, I hope it is for every one of us, then there are other ways to to really look at at growing. Um, one of them is to study the prayers of the saints in the Bible. Go into the Bible, particularly in the early church, the prayers of the, of the apostles, the prayers of the early church, and just study those. They are very rich in, 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 uh, in, in terms of what prayer really should be like. Then secondly, we have a resource center, and and Trina is a wonderful blessing to the church. She's really, she's very, very faithful at bringing books, Um, and you can have a, you know, you can quickly pick something for, you know, that will enrich your life, that will edify you in prayer. You can have a look after the service, Um, and um, you can borrow, you know, for a few weeks or days, and hopefully return, (laughs) return them back, um, but, but, you know, if you want to learn something, you need to study it. You can't become a doctor or an accountant or a lawyer overnight. You study. So in the, same thing, in the same way with prayer, if you really want to know prayer, then you need to study it. And then thirdly, join prayer groups. Join groups that pray. See prayer in action. Um, there are small groups in this church. Look for one. Um, if something's not working for you, then think of setting up one um, All it needs is two or three people gathered together and and you're basically uh, walking in, in, you know, you can walk in in edification. Um, There is prayer that happens before the service in this church. And then there's a prayer. In this church uh, at Moira's Place, every two months, we have prayer sessions. And I really uh, encourage us to, you know, to participate in one way or another in these areas. Because when you see practical prayer, when you see things in practice, you learn from them. You see... You know, prayer, petitions, uh, you see how prayer really works. It, it, it helps. It, it really helps. So, all these are great ways to grow in effective prayer. And before we go very far into this topic, just so that we're on the same base or the same understanding, we, we need to know what it, what it means to pray. What is prayer? Um, it's always good, you know, it's, it never assume. <laughs> and it's always good that we know what we're talking about. So, prayer is a two-way communion, communication with God, with the Almighty God. It's two-way, okay? And I want to emphasize that. It is not one way. It is two-way communion, communication with God. It's not just us talking to God, but God also communing and talking to us. You know, one of the reasons why in worship, um, and even in prayer, really, in good prayer, when, when you join prayer teams, one of the reasons why you have these times of silence and quiet is to hear from god i don't know if you realize it but you know when the worship team is ministering there are times when they go quiet you know somebody's just strumming a guitar or something there's a period of quietness it's not for you to just enjoy the music or the instrumentalist, but it's really to hear what is the lord speaking what is the lord saying so even as we minister to him we also need to hear from him and it's the same way um, one of the ways to gauge that you're in a place where good prayer is going on is you need to have these periods of quiet and silence and just hear from him. See, so one time we were in prayer, and some of you may, may, may remember this incident, uh, you know, one time we were praying, and as we finished, I, I had a vision of a beautiful shoal, you know, a beautiful white shoal. But in the middle of that shoal was a festering wound, you know, something really red and bleeding and so you know it was the end of the prayer session so we, we had broken up and we were kind of on the way out um, I thought about it once or twice in the course of the week and then the following week when we came back again to pray that same vision came back but very very strong you know it's a beautiful white shawl, but with a festering wound in the middle of it just red and bleeding and then the Lord spoke into my heart and just said, I am the Lord that heals thee. And so I, 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 I you know, this time we were in the middle of a press session, so I basically talked what I had seen. And to cut a long story short, it led to a major healing in somebody's life in that team. So the Lord speaks. If there's one thing that you need to be assured of, It's the Lord speaks, okay? If you go from Genesis to Revelation, you will see that over and over and over again. The Lord speaks, amen? So God desires to talk to us, and prayer, when it is effective, makes it possible. I'm hearing an echo. It's very, you know, uncomfortable. Hopefully it will be cleared away, but um, just so that we are clear, God desires to talk to us, sometimes even more than we desire to talk to him, unfortunately. And, and God has made it possible to commune with us in so many ways. Worship, or what we call, you know, traditionally we call it worship, um, is, is, is a form of prayer. I don't know if you realize that. You know, when we worship God, we are actually praying. Studying and meditating on the Word of God is a form of prayer. Praying with understanding, praying in tongues, these are all different ways in which God has made it possible for us to commune and to communicate with Him. And it's always good that when we are praying, you know, move away from this, uh, and and for me, this is speaking personally, when when I kind of broke free from this idea of the only time I pray is when I put my hands together and close my eyes. It set me free because you can pray when you're walking, you can pray when you're driving. Hopefully you shouldn't close your eyes when you're praying when you're driving. (laughs) Um, You can pray when you're talking to someone, you know, somebody is going through an issue, you can talk to God. It's, It's a beautiful privilege we have to contact and to talk to the Lord Almighty anytime, anywhere. In the course of the week, Um, I was driving somewhere, I was was going to work very early in the morning, 5 o'clock in the morning I was on the road, or 5.30 in the morning I was on the road, and it was still very dark. But as I drove, I got to witness the dawn, eh? the sun rising. And scriptures flowed into my mind of, scriptures that talk about the sun rising, The the path of the righteous is like the light of dawn, growing brighter and brighter until the noonday sun. And I just prayed through that, and I just meditated through that. You know, it was a one-hour journey where I was going. And, I, and it got, I, you know, just using this illustration, what was literally happening, the dawn was happening, it was a moment of prayer, just thanking God that my path, as his righteous daughter, is like the light of dawn, growing brighter and brighter and brighter. So take opportunities <clears throat> to pray. You know, when you're washing dishes, think about the Lord cleansing you. You may not realize it, but there's so many opportunities we can we can use to actually pray. Amen. Amen. So God has given us so many ways to commune with Him, but God has also given us basic principles on how we ought to pray. Not everything that ends with in Jesus' name is necessarily effective prayer. We don't just use that as a stamp. They are right ways and their are wrong ways to pray. I find it interesting that the disciples, when the disciples asked Jesus to teach them to pray, and by the way, first of all, it's interesting that they asked him to teach, them to, to teach him to pray. You know, being Jews, the Jewish people are very rich in terms of um, prayer traditions. So it's not as if they didn't know how to pray, but they realized there's something different about the way that Jesus prayed. His prayers were effective. So they approached him with this in mind, I believe. And they asked him, teach us to pray. His first lesson was about how they should not pray. How they should not pray. And that's probably because that, there was a lot of stuff going on that was really not prayer. And just quickly, um, One of the things he mentioned is that prayer is not just about an outward appearance. Prayer needs to be in the closet. Now, in the closet doesn't mean physically the closet um, because some people don't have closets in their houses. It's talking about the inner part of you. It's about your heart, an honest and willing heart that presents itself to the Lord. We commune with the Lord, with God, spirit to spirit. So that's the heart of prayer. Okay. Then also he says, don't just merely repeat phrases over and over and over again, thinking that by repeating these phrases, God is hearing you. God is impressed by how long and how repeated your prayers are. Imagine having a friend who only communicates to you using the same sentences over and over again. Good morning. How are you? Thank you for helping me yesterday. I hope you can help me tomorrow. See you. Bye. Good morning. How are you? Thank you for helping me yesterday. I hope you can help me tomorrow. See you. Bye. Good morning. How are you? Thank you for helping me yesterday. I hope you can help me tomorrow. See you. Bye. Repeating the same phrases. And you can do that, by the way, for several hours, eh? Um, in many forms, in a sense. But... Jesus was saying it's not so much about repeating the phrases over and over again. Friendships involve two-way communications. It's authentic conversations, not one-way monologues. So the point here is that there's a right way and the wrong way to pray, and hopefully we desire to pray rightly. In the last two Sundays, we covered two very important keys on how to pray effectively. So those who are here, can you remember what they were? The first one was done by Alistair. Can you remember what he mentioned? He preached through it. Yes? Just shout it out. Pray with thanksgiving. Very, very important. Effective prayer has got to have thanksgiving. And he mentioned, you know, thanksgiving is, it reminds us of the fact that we have a source of blessings. It reminds us that God is faithful. God is faithful to bless us. It's also one of the best cures for grumbling, by the way. Because sometimes we approach God with a grumbling attitude. When you start with thanksgiving, the grumbling goes down. I like the way that Alistair put that. Can you remember the second thing? Okay, I'm not like Alistair, I don't have gifts, but (laughs) hopefully I can draw out something. Last week, what 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 did we hear about? Pray in Jesus' name the power and authority of Jesus' name. When we understand that power and that authority and how we can actually effectively, how we can move in it, we become very effective in prayer. The fact that the power and authority of Jesus' name is really about bringing God's kingdom into this world. It's not about just rubber stamping anything anyhow. It's really about bringing God's kingdom into this world. So today we're going to look at a third key to effective prayer, and we're going to look at praying with faith, praying with faith. When we pray with faith, it is very, very effective. Let's go to James chapter 5, and this is going to be the heart of of our our teaching this morning. James chapter 5, verse 13 to 18, because it talks about effective prayer in faith. James chapter 5, verse 13 to 18. Okay, thank you. So it starts off by saying, is there anyone among you who is suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone who is cheerful? Let him sing praise. So what this is saying is that you can pray when you're suffering, you can pray when you're cheerful. Prayer is for all times, all seasons. Don't just wait until you're in a crisis because that's just the first part. But... Take advantage of this benefit of prayer. When you're suffering, when you're, having, you know, when you're having joy, pray. Verse 14, is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of Jesus, in the name of the Lord, okay? Verse 15, and the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. So this is saying that we can pray for others and they can get well. Now, this scripture does not necessarily mean that healing depends on the prayers of the elders or on the faith of the elders. If you are sick or if you know someone is sick, they have to also believe. They have to have faith. And Jesus demonstrated this so many times when people came to him for healing. He would say, your faith has made you well. According to your faith, Let it be done to you. So when we are praying together, understand it's not just the responsibility of the elders or the senior prayer minister. It's really a cooperative thing. We we have to have faith collectively. So the prayer of faith when we do this accomplishes things. The other thing that this, this passage says is the prayer must be done with faith in the name of the Lord, not in the name of the elders. I know of so many people who run from church to church, from districts to district, chasing what we call prayer, Um, what do you call them? Prayer doctors, prayer warriors, prayer altars, yes, you know, really spending a lot of energy, and I'm I'm not saying this cannot be an avenue, you know, God, God really wants to bless us so much that he will try and look for any opportunity to bless us, but... Understand that it is not the elder. It is not the the prayer warrior. It is the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the key. In verse 15, uh, James chapter 5, verse 15, it says, and the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. And just so that we are very clear here, it is not prayer of faith that necessarily saves in the sense of, you know, bringing salvation. Salvation comes only by believing on the Lord Jesus Christ and confessing him as Lord. I think we need to be clear about that. So this verse is not saying that prayer in itself will save you, because as we say, there are right ways and there are wrong ways to pray. It is saying that prayer will make manifest the salvation work that Jesus has already done. That's really what prayer does. It brings into the physical the salvation work that Jesus has accomplished for us through the cross. That's how it works. So we don't just pray what we want and how we want. We have to think of what has he accomplished? What has he accomplished? What is this salvation work that he has enabled us to to, to connect to through the cross? So what was accomplished? Things like salvation, yes, we know, healing, deliverance, forgiveness, and all his precious and exceedingly great promises. These were all made possible because of the work of the cross. In him, these things are yes and amen and amen. Verse 16, therefore confess your sins one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Some translations say the effective prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. There's so much in this, but I want to highlight two things. First of all, it talks about the prayer of a righteous person. Who is a righteous person? because this thing hinges on the prayer of a righteous person. A righteous person you know, is someone who has received the gift of righteousness. Righteousness is a gift given to us by God through grace. We receive it by faith. And it has nothing to do with what I am, what I'm doing rather, or what I do. It depends totally on what Jesus did on the cross. So if you believe that Jesus paid your penalty, paid the penalty, Of your sins. If you believe that from the heart, then God has given you the gift of righteousness and you receive it by faith. You are actually in right standing with Him. You just need to believe it. The other thing that this phrase says, or this um, passage says, is that this that the prayer of a righteous person has great power and it is working. I don't know about you, but there are some times that you become discouraged in prayer. You pray over something and pray over something and pray over something, and you physically don't see the answer. You can be tempted to think, eh, is this this really working? Is this really working? Now, this verse assures us that, yes, it is working. Our prayers have great power, and they are working. I need that assurance. You need that assurance. Okay, because it helps so that we don't give up on prayer. If I know this, then I keep at it. I keep at it. God says my prayer is powerful and it is working, regardless of what I'm seeing or not seeing. His word assures me that my prayer is powerful and it is working. Now, Elijah is an example of such a person. Um, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. And this means he had flesh and blood. eh? He had Fears he had weaknesses, just as we do. You know, one time Jezebel threatened to kill Elijah, despite the fact that Elijah had had performed amazing miracles, eh? brought fire from heaven, and you know, burnt his altars um, vis-à-vis the 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 prophets of Baal who had prayed and prayed and prayed from morning to evening and achieved absolutely nothing. So, so Elijah was coming. uh, He had reached a point in his life where he was really exceeding, you know, exceeding in his miracles. The the miracles he he manifested were powerful. And then Jezebel threatened his life, and he was afraid, he was afraid. He actually felt fear coming over him. And he was so afraid he actually fled into the wilderness. And it says in, in, in the Bible that, you know, the place that he fled to is like a distance of 200 kilometers, fleeing in fear. 200 kilometers like from here to Busia. Running away because you're terrified. So he had the same nature. We we sometimes go through that. You go through an experience and you're terrified. You're afraid. What is going on? Another time he was overcome with depression and suicidal thoughts. You know, he actually prayed to God, Lord, kill me. You know, it's a very good thing that God doesn't answer all our prayers. That is a very dangerous prayer. (laughs) So God didn't answer that one. Okay. But, but, but it shows the heart of it. I mean, really, that he was human. He had flesh and blood, and so do we. There are moments when things become really, really difficult in prayer. And yet, it says, Elijah had effective prayers. He prayed fervently. Verse 17, he says, he prayed fervently that it might not rain, and for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. On the earth. So it didn't rain in... <laughs> In the U.S., it didn't rain in Russia, it didn't rain in Africa. Three and a half years, no rain. That's a bold prayer, very powerful prayer. And then it says in verse 18, he prayed again and heaven gave rain and the earth bore its fruit. The question is, how come Elijah had such effective prayers? And the answer is because they were prayers of faith. This is the context of the passage. They were prayers of faith. What is a prayer of faith? So what I'm going to do, I'm going to basically try and give a picture of what a prayer of faith looks like. And I just pray that the Holy Spirit will speak into each one of our hearts and and, and really draw this out in your own time as you meditate upon it. So there are two things. Number one is a prayer of faith is focused on God's will being done on the earth. It's really focused on God's will being done on the earth. When Jesus was teaching the disciples to pray, one of the things he told them is that we need to say or we need to really have this heart that God's will be done here on earth even as it is in heaven. God's will is already a reality in the spirit world where he dwells. My role and your role is to understand what his will is, to know what his will is, and then to pray that will here on earth. Not my will, but yours, O oh God, be done. Not my will, but yours, God, uh, your will, God, be done here on earth. So what is God's will concerning what you're, what, what you're seeking or what you're praying about? What is God's will concerning your children? Um, when you pray for your children, what is God's will concerning them? What is God's will concerning our youth? We live in a world where, you know, there's so many challenges, so many battles. What is God's will concerning the youth? What is God's will concerning my work? You know, hopefully most of us are engaged in some form of work or we're looking for some form of work, but what is God's will? So when I pray over my work, what am I praying? So if I know the will of the Lord, then when I pray in faith, I pray believing, affirming, and confessing what God has said and what his will is. Remember that faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God, not your neighbor's word, not your own voice, hearing the word of God. Faith not only comes by hearing, so it's not a one-time thing. Faith is sustained by hearing the word of God. So that word hearing, it's a continuous process. So I'm continuously hearing the word of God. When I pray in faith, I believe, I affirm and confess what I hear and what I'm hearing from him, that his will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. So let's go back to our friend Elijah. Elijah. So when there was no rain in the land, Elijah prayed for rain, and it rained according to James chapter 5 verse 18. Now, this verse is actually a very short summary of what actually happened, and to understand the full context of it, we need to go back to the story. Um, Let's go to 1 Kings chapter 18. The story is found in 1 Kings chapter 18. 1 Kings chapter 18. Okay, so this is where it begins. It says, after many days, the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year, saying, go and show yourselves to Ahab, and I will send rain upon the earth. Okay, verse two, so Elijah went to show himself to Ahab. Now, the famine was very severe in Samaria. Okay, so now, as in God is speaking and saying, I'm going to send rain. But right now, the famine was very severe in Samaria. So basically, there's a very severe famine in Samaria. And, and, and yet God is giving a word, saying, I will send rain upon the earth. You know, if you've grown up in Uganda, we don't understand famine. We are so blessed, really, we are so blessed. You know, food is literally on the roadside. Um, if the worst comes the worst, you just take your potion, your beans, you eat. So famine is not, we, we complain, yes, but it's not a reality so much in this country. But when he talks about a severe famine, the problem with a severe famine is first of all, the prices of food go through the roof. This is the first problem. So affordability is an issue. So if you're complaining about prices of beans doubling, this is like prices of beans going 10 times, 15 times over what they currently are. Currently, I think they're about like 4,000 a kilo. So imagine if suddenly beans go up to 40,000 a kilo. Okay, so affordability is an issue. Secondly, accessibility, the ability to actually access these crops and this food, you can't see it and yet, In the midst of this situation, famine, extreme, severe famine, God is saying, I will send rain upon the earth. So, the rain did not come immediately, by the way. He didn't speak and it didn't happen immediately. But what does this teach us? That often when we receive a word from God, it will contradict what the reality, what the physical reality is like. It will often be, Opposite to what is happening in the physical So God is speaking about I will send rain upon the earth And yet there is famine I don't know if some of you have Maybe you're praying over someone who is sick Or you're praying over yourself And then the sickness intensifies (laughs) I think some of us have experienced that You're you're praying over a situation And then it gets worse Amen, that is it One person has experienced it (laughs) Two, that's me as well so so often when we hear the word of the lord it is so contradictory to what is happening and then secondly when you look at this verse it's you know when you receive a word from god things don't change immediately in fact it took several days for things to actually change and isn't that what normally happens in prayer you pray for something and you expect within 24 hours god will deliver and nothing happens nothing happens after a week nothing happens after a month nothing happens after a year and you're thinking, what is this? Ten years. <laughs> Ten years, thank you. <laughs> so here comes Elijah. And remember we're talking about a prayer of faith. So Elijah prays the word of the Lord. Let's, go to, let's jump to verse 42. Um, we don't have time to go through the entire, entire chapter, but let's go to 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 42. There's been a lot of things that have happened in between, but in verse 42, in the middle of verse 42, it says, Elijah went up to the top of Mount Carmel, and he bowed himself down on the earth and put his face between his knees, so basically he prayed, okay? And remember, verse 1 was talking about the Lord had revealed a word to him, so now in verse 42, he's praying. He said to his servant, go up now, look toward the sea, and he went up, that's the servant, went up, looked and said, there is nothing. And Elijah said, go again, seven times. So he sent him over and over again. Go again and check. And that servant would come and say, there's nothing. Go again and check. The servant would say, there's nothing. Go again and check. The servant would say, there's nothing. Verse 44, at the seventh time, he said, behold, this is the servant, a little cloud like a man's hand is rising from the sea. And he said, go up, said say to Ahab, prepare your chariot and go down, lest the rain stop you. So he's already talking about the rain stop you. This is heavy rain he's expecting, but it's still a little cloud, a tiny little cloud. And in a little while, the heavens grew black with clouds and wind, and there was a great rain. So basically, when Elijah went to the top of Mount Carmel and prayed for rain, it was not a prayer that he simply made up Because of the drought. You know, he didn't go through an extreme famine and said, okay, I think I'm going to pray for the rain. No. It was based on a very clear word that the Lord had spoken to him in verse one. The Lord had spoken a word to him in verse one. So when he's in Mount Carmel, he's speaking that word. He's talking that word. And he believes it so much that he sends his servant over and over and over again to check I am praying, the rain must come according to the word of the Lord. And every time the servant comes, he would send him back again. That's praying in faith. Praying in faith continues in prayer because the word of the Lord has said it, not because there is no rain, because I can't see it. Even when I don't see the result the first time, the second time, the third time, the fourth time, the fifth time, I continue in prayer. That's praying in faith. A prayer of faith is always based on what God said and not what I see. A prayer of faith does not doubt or waver, depending on what it says. A prayer of faith trusts God, trusts his word, trusts his nature and his character completely. And this is the second point I want to make. A prayer of faith, okay, remember the first point was a prayer of faith uh, is focused on the will of the Lord and the word of of God. The second point is a prayer of faith trusts God, trusts God without wavering. Trusting God means trusting his nature, trusting his character, trusting his word, trusting who he says he is, regardless of what you think, what you feel, what you see, what experience. Trust is a very interesting word. It's not easy to trust. I I think, let's be honest, it's not easy to trust. Many times, you know, We trust because we have no choice. When you trust because you have no choice, it's not real trust, it's very fragile trust. For example, if you want to go to town very quickly, what do you do? Thank you, yes, you get a border. Now, when you get this border, you're going to trust several things about him. (laughs) You trust that he knows his machine. (laughs) You trust that he's qualified to drive. You trust that he knows how to drive because you can be qualified and not know. You trust that he's qualified to drive. You trust that he has a license. You trust that his vehicle is licensed to be on the road. You trust that he can get you to your destination quickly, safely, and cheaply. This is a kind of trust that has no choice, really. You need to get there. (laughs) So you just jump on and you do all this trusting. But if I was to assure you of another way to get to Kampala quickly, cheaply and safely, you would dump the border very quickly. Yes? Yes, absolutely. Quickly, cheaply, safely, you would dump him. Exactly. You see, you really didn't trust the border. You just have a very fragile trust in him. I didn't trust the border, really. It was a very fragile trust, and it was a trust that was based in, I have no choice. And unfortunately, this is the kind of trust that we sometimes approach God with. If God tells you something, you believe it, especially if you have no choice. You are in a crisis, you are in a difficult situation, so you believe it. But then if you're faced with another choice, for example, if your eyes tell you something different, you switch your trust to your eyes. Yes? If the experts of the industry tell you something different, you switch your your, your trust to the experts of the industry. If the media tells you something different, if your friend tells you something different, if you experience something different, you trust your friend, you trust the media, you trust your experience, it's a very fragile trust. And then you begin to reason that maybe God had some exceptions, that yes, he gave me a word, but maybe there are some exceptions. You even go into the Bible and look for specific scriptures that, that, that in a way... Bring out exceptions to God's word. You know, I, I was talking to someone about healing and how God wants them well. God wants to heal them. And, and, you know, this person had gone through healing challenges for a long time. So they would go into the Bible and literally pick scriptures. where you see this place God didn't heal this person. You see this place God didn't heal this person. Friends, I don't have all the answers in the universe, okay? But one thing I know The word of God is true, whether we experience it or not. If God is faithful, God is faithful. God is not a liar. Okay? So the problem is when we trust God in this fragile way, you know, based on our experiences and our need to verify our experiences, when we trust God in this way, okay, first of all, it's better than not having trust in God. It's better than not knowing God and not having trust in God. At least there's a starting point but it is very fragile and very weak trust. Basically, you doubt God's character when you're faced with an alternative choice. But friends, let me assure you that God's character and his nature never, never change. God is love. God is good. Whether you have experienced his love and his goodness or not, it doesn't matter. The fact is God is love. God is good. His love never ends. It's a song that we sung. His love goes on and on and on. He is love. It's not that he's manufacturing love someone he has to give it to. It's just his nature. His character is that he is love. God is faithful whether you have seen evidence of it or not. Let God be true and every man a liar. God is faithful. God is healer. God is deliverer. Whether you know theology or not. God is God. He never changes. In James chapter 1, verse 7, it says, there is no variation in him. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. You know, one of the reasons I think the Bible is very, very thick, it's a very thick book, is because God has put in testimonies and scriptures and evidence of who he is so that we can believe and we can trust in him. We can get to know him. That's one of the reasons why the Bible is very, very thick. Because there are testimonies that just testify and talk of the faithfulness of God, the love of God, the, you know, the, the, the fact that God is a deliverer, is a healer, and all these things that he says he is. It's just to assure us over and over again, to enable us to believe. When we trust God, when we trust his nature and who he is, it will significantly increase our ability to receive from him. In Hebrews chapter 11, it says, you know, this is the famous chapter on, on faith. In verse 6, it says, whoever comes to God must believe that he is. Some version says he exists, but it's not a real translation. It's the, the actual translation says he is. Whoever comes to God must believe that he is. He is what? He is who he says he is. Remember, he introduced himself to Moses as I am. So when I come to God, I must know that he is. He is healer, he is deliverer, he is savior, he is all the things that he says he is. When I come to God believing that he is, he rewards me because I'm diligently seeking him according to his nature. That's what the rest of the verse basically says. When you come to God, you must believe that he is and that he rewards them that diligently seek him. So effective prayer is based on unwavering trust in the nature and the character of God, regardless of what you taste, you see, you feel, or experience. James chapter 1, verse 5 to 8, as I close, it talks about if anybody is lacking in wisdom, let him ask God. And wisdom could be also, you know, if you're lacking in certain areas in your life, approach God. And then it talks about God who gives generously to all without reproaching, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith without doubting. For the one who doubts is like the wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. And that person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. He's a double-minded man, unstable in his ways. That's the cost of double-mindedness. So this passage uh, encourages us and uh, invites us to approach God for all our needs. It says wisdom, like I said, but it could include any other promises that God has given us. Verse 5 emphasizes the nature of God. He is a generous God. Generous means, you know, somebody who's generous is generous. They're not stingy. He's a generous God. So understand his nature, his character. He gives without blaming, without reproaching. Approach God with this conviction, and it will increase the effectiveness of your prayer. Okay? What would you have done if you were Elijah's servant? sent to check again and again and again whether the rain was coming. Most people would have doubted and given up after the second or third time. It's hard to keep checking and nothing is is being seen. So what do we do when we pray for our children again and again and we see no change in behavior? What do you do when you pray over specific things in your workplace and you see no change? What do you do when you don't see answer to prayer? Do you know what you do? You persevere in prayer, just as Elijah did. He didn't get off that mountain. You persevere in prayer. You trust in the nature and character of God. That's true faith. And this kind of faith pleases God. And next week, we're going to look at what it means to really persevere in prayer, because this is where things kind of break down. We're going to look at what it means, persevering in prayer. For now, I want us to put some of these things into practice. I want us to pray. And I've I've identified three specific topics. Next week we'll pray over additional ones. But I want us to pray over three specific areas. One is our children. Secondly is our youth. And thirdly is our places of work. Okay? So we'll we'll join together. Uh, We're going to be led by specific people. um, because It's good to pray um, as a congregation. So if Jackie's around, um, she can come up. And then she'll do for the children. Patrick will do for... Um, the youth, and then Brother Shelvis will do for workplaces. So as they pray, listen to the voice of God. It's not a j- just about the person here talking. It's really, what is God speaking? How can I agree with him, cling on to what he's speaking, so that even as I leave this place, I have a word from the Lord. Amen. Amen.
1: Okay. Yeah, you could, hold it. you could just place it on some on me or something. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I'll be praying for our children. So, let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, thank you for the gift of our children. Thank you that they're a blessing for you, and we honor you, and we thank you for, for the stewardship you've given us as parents, as teachers, as people who interact with them. Heavenly Father, we acknowledge that we cannot do it without you. So, Heavenly Father, we just invite you into our parenting, our teaching. We humble ourselves and we lift our children into your hands, Heavenly Father. We release them into you. Give us your counsel and your wisdom in bringing them up, Heavenly Father. We declare that they will be taught by you and they will continue to be the fruit of your instruction and godly correction. We declare that great is their composure wherever you lead them, Heavenly Father. Yeah, and Heavenly Father, we pray um, over their spiritual growth. We pray Ephesians 1, 17 to 23 over them. Young as they are, Heavenly Father, we just decree the words of Ephesians 17 to 23, which go, We thank you that you have given them the spirit of wisdom, of revelation into the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord, that the eyes of our children, young as they are, Mm -hmm. has got understanding and is being enlightened that they will know what your hope of your calling is, what the riches and the glory of your inheritance in all the saints, including our children, Heavenly Father. And what is exceeding greatness and the power, your power towards them, hmm, who are believers and are called, according, you know, together with all the saints around the world. Hmm. Heavenly Father, thank you that your right hand in heaven, Jesus Christ is seated in heaven and is watching over them and invites them to, to declare and your kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. Heavenly Father, we thank you that they're safe in your hands. Teach us to rest in your promises and declarations. Heavenly Father, we pray that um, even with Christ, they're far above all dominions, all powers, all might. They are safe in your presence, Heavenly Father. Despite what they are um, exposed to in this world, Heavenly Father. We know that they're safe in your hands, so we rest in you. And thank you that you grant our children according to the riches and glories and strengthen them, yeah? In might, in your spirit, in their inner man, and that they dwell, that they may dwell with Christ in their heart. And our children will be rooted in you, grounded in you, in love, and be able to comprehend with all the saints, young as they are, the width, the length, the depth, the height, to know the love of Christ, which passes all understanding, and that our children will be filled with the fullness of Christ, even as young as they are. And Father, I just speak into, um, I speak into the, Work that you prepared for our children even before that they were born, before we, we knew of their existence, Heavenly Father. We pray that the will of God come forth in the name of Jesus and that our children, in our children's life, it will be on earth as it is in heaven. Heavenly Father, we pray the love of God over our children will be revealed and in the name of Jesus Christ. We pray and speak the peace of God, the joy of the world, the righteousness of Christ, to come forth in our children's life. Kingdom of God, come forth in our children's lives. Holiness, purity, revelation, and the glory of God, come forth in our children's life. The fullness and the perfect will of Father come forth in our children's life. We pray this and give you honor And we know that we can always stand on your word in the name of Jesus Christ, knowing that our children are covered. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen.
2: And Father, we want to thank you so much for the young people within our congregation. Thank you so much for the youth, O oh God. I'm even reminded of Paul's instruction to Timothy, do not despise, do not despise your youth. Father, we thank you so much, O oh God, that, that you knew them before they were formed in their mother's wombs and you approved of them and you called them and you set them apart for a very unique, unique, unique purpose. And you've called our young people at a time as this, oh God, for a purpose, for a reason, oh God. We are here, Lord, because you have a very unique purpose for them. You have a very unique calling upon their lives, oh God. And so we want to pray this morning, oh God. That they will not despise their youth, but they will be confident of you who's called them, who's who's set them apart for a very unique purpose. And therefore, I also after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus I'm praying this over the young people within our congregation and your love for other saints do not cease to give thanks for you making mention of you in my prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ the father of glory may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ the father of glory may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards you who believe, according to the working of his mighty power. Father, it is my prayer that you will protect the little ones, the young ones in our midst of God. Father, I speak and declare over them that none of them will depart from your ways, none of them will depart from the truth of your word that has been planted in their hearts, that none of them will walk away, God. Father, we thank you so much for the parents and the work that they've done, investing and praying and teaching and guiding these young people up to this particular point, God. And even as they begin to release them and give them more freedom and allow them to step out and be adults and be individuals, God, our prayer is, God, that the truth, the truth that has been planted in their hearts will continue to bring forth fruit and yield fruit, God. Father, I pray that you will protect them even as they are sheep among wolves in this world. You protect them from the evil one. Keep them safe, for oh God. And Father, we pray, we pray and ask in the name of Jesus that our young ones, the youth will be on fire for Jesus. That they will love Jesus above everything else. They will love Jesus with all their hearts. And they will not be afraid of speaking about him. They will not be afraid of talking about him in their schools, in their communities, in, in their fellowships, say God. Father, I declare and decree <laughs> over the young people within our church that they are trailblazers, that they will be trailblazers, they will be trailblazers, they will be people who do things that have not been done before. There will be pioneers of things that have not been done before, God. And they will not be afraid to do, the, to, do, to do what has not been done before. They will not be afraid of breaking out of the mold. Father, I pray that they will not conform to the mold of this world, but they will ever be transformed by your word. So I just decree and declare that they are blessed as they go in, as they come out. They are blessed when they go to school. They are blessed when they come home. They are blessed in their communities. They are blessed in their youth group. They are blessed in every area of their lives. We declare and decree all these things in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.
3: So we've, we've prayed about uh, our children. We've prayed about our lives. And there are many of us who need prayer for ourselves. We, we feel called into workplaces that don't recognize us for the values and the skills that we have. Some of us have not been blessed with workplaces. We're in need from day to day, just the finances to put bread on our tables. Some of us are in jobs where we are wondering what the next step might be. Scripture says to love the Lord our God with all our hearts, our souls and our minds and we're praying how. So let's pray together. God, some of us barely made it in today. Some of us, from the moment that our eyes opened this morning, we questioned whether we would be at this church. Some of us, dear God, were so excited about being here for worship and prayer, we were up all night and ready to go in the morning time. But God, whether with sadness or with joy that we've come into this place, we are here. And many of us are asking the same question. Oh Lord, how can we love you with our our hearts? And Lord, how can we love you with our minds? And Lord, how can we love us with all of our souls, dear God? Some of us have been planted in places where we feel like we're not growing. Some of us have been planted in places in which we feel like we can grow no more. Some of us are saying, God, just plant me somewhere. I feel like I've been thrown back and forth in the midst. God, you've called me to do something great, but I've not been able to do it. I've gone to school or I'm trying to get to school. I'm applying for jobs, but Lord, help me follow you. Even more, God, help me lead for you. God, some of us are in places in which we're celebrating how you've been working in our lives, Lord, and we just want to look to our right and left and find other brothers and sisters in Christ that can celebrate the goodness of God in our lives. But Lord, some of us feel like Elijah did long ago, surrounded by the prophets of Baal up on Mount Carmel, praying and praying and praying and not seeing manifested what we've been praying for and saying, go and look. I've been praying for this, go and see, is it happening? So God, for that man or that woman, for that young person that's trying to figure out how to love you with their hearts and souls and minds in their workplaces, in their ministry places. God, we surrender ourselves to you. We surrender ourselves to you. In a world where our jobs might fail us, in a world in which those around us might fail us. We may have money today and it's gone tomorrow and it will fail us. The studies that we're doing so that we might have jobs we might not even care about tomorrow and it fails us. So God, why we cannot trust those things fully, We know without a shadow of a doubt that we can trust you. You are the alpha. You are the omega. You are the beginning. You are the end. And Lord, while we exist in the middle, you stand with us, Lord. In fact, you carry us when we can't move by ourselves. You know us when our smiles are genuine and you know when we mask the pains that are deep. In our hearts. So God, we do trust you. We trust that you do have purpose for us. We trust that you will in good time reveal to us the purpose for us. God, the gifts and the skills that you've planted inside of our minds and our hearts, the passion that you've given to us, Lord, we trust that you will allow that To be expressed in ways that honor you. God, some of us have dreamed dreams that have not yet come together. And we need to be reminded that if we just keep praying, if we just keep believing, it's moving forward. God, even if we can't see it right now, it's waiting for us. So let us continue to move forward into the destinies you called us to. God, some of us in our prayers need your wisdom as we discern because you're telling us clearly the thing that we're doing is not the thing that we're supposed to be doing. So God, give us wisdom to know if the place in which we're serving you, the place in which we're working, you're calling us to be in another space for another season. But God, whatever we do, Lord, help us to believe that what we're doing is for you. Help us to know that we're using ourselves for you. God, your servant Dr. King once told us that, God, if we're called to sweep streets, let us sweep streets as Michelangelo painted paintings, dear God. God, whatever your call might be in our lives, dear God, if we're teachers, if we're business people, if we're lawyers, if we're doctors, if we're medical professionals, if we're farmers working the ground with our hands, if we do not yet know what you've called us to do, whatever we are, We know that we're children of the Most High God. Call with your purpose and your plan to live on this earth to glorify you. So God, make it so apparent to us. Make it so clear to us, Lord. Give us confidence, Lord, while we're in the midst of the Alpha and Omega, while we're in the midst of the beginning and the end, Lord, to know that you are at work in our lives. So, God, thank you for this series of talks that you are offering us that tell us about the groundwork of our prayer being gratitude, Lord. That remind us that we need to pray in your name. God, That tell us that we need to have faithfulness, Lord, to know the will of God and to trust God. So, God, we're trying as best as we can to commit ourselves to doing that. Lord, help us as we leave this place to do that in a way that honors you in a way that blesses our sisters and brothers, as a way that makes impact in this broken world. Lord, we pray this. Lord, we believe this. Not only do we hope for this, but we know that this can happen with you. In the name of the Father, and in the name of the Son, and in the name of the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. Amen.
0: Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <clears throat> Father, we thank you for, your prayer, for this session of prayer. Thank you that even before you, we prayed, you heard us, that while we were yet praying, you answered us, for this is what your word says. I pray for the words that you have deposited in the hearts of everyone gathered here that that word may not grow to waste, but it will grow and become fruitful, that they may hold on to it in faith. That, Lord, your kingdom will come here on earth in the physical, and your will will be done just as you desire. In Jesus' mighty name, we've prayed. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah and hallelujah. We've come to the end of the service, and I hope you've been blessed. Um, and I want to thank those who prayed. Thank you so much for the time that you just spent um, really investing in this time of prayer. And I pray for everyone that really will just take this uh, with passion, this topic with passion, and continue in it. So may the Lord bless you. May he bless the coming week, as even as you step forward into the coming, coming week. May he bless you as you go out and even as you come in. May he bless you whether you're in the city, whether you're in the village. May he bless you every step that you take because that's his desire for you. You're welcome to a cup of tea. Um, Say hello to someone and just encourage one another. In Jesus' name we've prayed. Amen and amen. Amen.